Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. You know, through this series, Bulletproof Identity, we've not only been talking about the things that make our identity more bulletproof so that we know exactly who we are at all times, dearly loved, children of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. First John 3, 3, 1 says, how, how lavishly God has placed his love upon us that we should be called the children of God. And John says, and that is what we are. So sure about that. But you and I know that there are things that shake us up at times to the point where we get that feeling, I don't know who I am anymore. And that's why we've talked about things like Jesus is the bread of life. Because when we know who he is, it helps us better know who we are and not get drawn off track in our own identity. And and let our identity, for example be established by the appetites that we have in life because we have the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Or when times are dark and when days are dreary, we have Jesus, the light of the world, to remind us that we are dearly loved children of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the other voices in our life. The voices that want to tell us who we are, but they're not accurate voices. They're put-down voices. And how, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can develop a skill, a very important skill of closing the door on the other voices in our life that, that, that want to tell us we're nothing, we're nobody, we're not valuable, our lives are meaningless. To have that ability to shut the door on that so that we know being dearly loved children of God means that we are valuable to God. We matter to God. God has given us a life of purpose. And we carry on with that same idea this morning of what are the things both outside of us and in particular the sins within our heart and within our mind that can take us off track and, and, and shake us up when it comes to our identity. And I'm just going to give you a phrase. I want you, to, I want you to write this phrase at the top of your crosswalk notes. There's no blank for it. You know me. I never have enough space. So you just got to find a blank space. And here's the phrase I want you to write down. I got this all figured out. I got this all figured out. Ever felt that way? And what we're going to learn this morning is, usually when we start to take the attitude, I got this all figured out, is when we find out that life is going to throw us for a loop, and pretty soon we're feeling like, I got none of this figured out, and I sure hope Jesus has this figured out, because it's clear to me, I have... No idea. You know, here's the deal. And a lot of us don't, don't realize this, but life is a moving object. We, we like to think that life is going to carry us al- uh, along. And, and if, if life were, were going out with your 22 and plinking cans, then we like to think of life as just, it's, it's static. You just take that, that can and you put it up there on the post and it stays nice and still, no wind. And you raise the twenty two rifle and bang, that can falls because it's just there. It's steady. That's the way we wish our life was. Or at least we wish that life was a clay pigeon. Right? That, that there's a trajectory and we can see the trajectory. And if we lead it with the shotgun, we can kind of anticipate where life is going. And bam, we shoot that clay pigeon out of the sky. Because we can anticipate where our life is going. It's not that way. I'm holding in my hand right here. The Bible study from our Saturday night recovery and resilience group. I like to call it R-squared. Recovery and resilience. And it's so interesting. I love being part of that group. You know why? Because these are people 
that are just being real, and they have encountered life not as they wish it would be, a static object, or, 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 or life as a, a clear trajectory forward that we can predict, but life as completely unpredictable, life as something that they would easily say, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have it figured out. One of the first things that we learn in recovery and resilience ministry is we have no control. And that only God has control. And that if we want to be able to recover from the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups in our life, we have to stop trying to control things or even predict things. And instead, allow God to be God. And understand that he controls and he alone can predict the course of our life. I want to talk to you about a gentleman by the name of Samuel. Sam Sam grew up extremely talented. I mean, God gave Sam so many different gifts. It's it's incredible, really. Highly intelligent went to, uh, attended Yale University and uh, went there and was an art student at Yale University. Now it takes a lot to be an art student at Yale University. And before long, even as a university student, the accolades began to pour in on Sam. He was asked, for example, to, to paint a canvas, a huge 7 by 11 canvas of the House of Representatives in session. That's how talented he was. And he was, the, he was the first one to ever do a project like that. Be in the back of the chamber of the House of Representatives and execute a canvas of the, of the entire chamber from the back of the chambers. And he, and he painted it and the praise just came pouring in for his artistry. He was so good at art that he decided he was going to move for a short period, three or four years, to Paris so that he could could continue his study of, of art at the Louvre. Spent three years there, and there he was asked to do a similar project where... On a six by ten canvas, he painted the uh, an entire wall of other famous paintings. Now imagine how hard it is to to be standing back and 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 see a presentation wall uh, of paintings that are just incredible. And we're we're talking about Da Vinci, Titian, Rubens, all those guys that you studied in college, and he's painting little tiny duplicates of these to present what this wall in the Louvre looks like. And he's, he's just so excited to be doing this. It feels like he's using his gifts finally. You see, not long before he had left for the, the Louvre and for Paris, his, um, his young bride had died in childbirth. He was left as a, a single dad with three young children. And, and, and this trip to Paris is something that he had always dreamed of, but now he's a single daddy. He, he talked to his, his brother and sister-in-law, and they said, we want you to pursue your dream of going to Paris. We'll, we'll take your children and, and raise them as our own. You go, and when you come back, uh, you, can, you can come back and, and raise your children. Now, we can question that decision if we want, but Sam really felt that this was what God wanted him to do. He had grown up as the son of a pastor. And he really felt that God had given him these tremendous gifts of art. When he came back, three years after, after uh, arriving in Paris, he came back to the United States. He was thinking to himself, with all the accolades I received while I was still at Yale, this painting is going to sell for a lot of money. And he put it on the market, and it just stayed there on the market. Nothing happened for a long time until finally it sold for less than half of what he estimated its value to be. And when that happened, he really began to question himself. He began to go back. And in fact, here's, here's a quote from something he wrote during that period of time. He wrote in a letter to one of his children. He said, 
You cannot know the depth of the wound that was inflicted when I was deprived of your mother, nor in how many ways this wound has been kept open. And that was 13 years after his young wife had passed away. When he, um, when he applied to paint uh, a painting in the Capitol on one of the frescoes in the Capitol, he was rejected. He went on to try to, to become mayor of New York because he had political views that he felt could help the city of New York, and he came in dead last among four candidates. And all of this happened within a very short space of time. As I was thinking about Sam's story, it reminded me so much of some of the stories we hear in our recovery and resilience ministry. Stories of marriages crushed, jobs lost, houses foreclosed upon, and very often in a very short period of time. And of course, when that kind of hurt comes into your life, you can very easily have your life turned completely upside down and get thrown for a loop. And that may at times lead you to want to cope and not necessarily cope by just tapping into the Spirit of God, but other kinds of spirits and chemicals. Sam, finally, <laughs> he just completely threw it all away. He said, you know what? I, I don't feel like I abandoned my gifts of, of art. It abandoned me. Art abandoned me. Now, here was a person that was, abs- Sam was a person that was absolutely sure that his life was a static object. He could so clearly see that this is what God had equipped him for. He felt this was God's call on his life. And now, all of a sudden, it's fruit basket upset. And he, he writes, I staggered under the blow. Ever been there? I staggered under the blow. I don't even know who I am anymore because my, everything that I thought was life, my life, everywhere I thought it was going, the trajectory that it was on, I thought I could predict it, and now I can't. Sam decided to listen to a piece of advice from his dad. His dad had repeatedly said to him, Sam, do one thing at a time and do it well. So Sam put aside his political aspirations. He set aside his art career. And he decided to go back to working on a telecommunications object that he had, he had been working on. Something that the world had not ever seen. It was very inventive, very fresh, very new. And so he went back and he started tinkering with this, this telecommunications device. And it took him seven years a lot of prayer. And then the very first day came when the telecommunications advice, uh, device could be used between New York City and Baltimore, Maryland, a span of 31 miles. And when the first message was, was entered into the telecommunications device, it was four words. What hath God wrought? What has God done? You know who I'm talking about now? Samuel Morse, the inventor not only of the Morse code, but the telegraph. His whole life that he thought he had planned out for him as an artist went completely off track. But it wasn't until it came off, the, the wheels came off of his life that he was able to discover what what God really had brought him onto planet Earth to, to use his artistry and his talents and gifts for. And that's a message of hope that we can all have. But there's an even deeper message of hope than we, than, that we have than that, that, that allows us, like Samuel Morse, to keep on going. I shared with you already that, that Samuel Morse was a, a man of deep faith in Jesus Christ, raised by a pastor dad. Um, his last words uh, that he wrote were these. I am perfectly satisfied that, mysterious as my whole life has been to me, 
It's all been ordered in view of my heavenly Father's guiding hand. What words? And what we want to talk about this morning is a very similar event in the story of Jesus Christ and the disciples. How they thought their life was going in a certain trajectory until they hit this point that we're going to be discussing today. And then all of a sudden they realized, oh no. Jesus is blowing up this life that we thought we were going to have. He's blowing it up to smithereens and taking us in a whole different direction. A direction that we're not, actually don't like. And could not have possibly predicted, at least not with what we were thinking before this. And we're going to go into uh, John. First of all, we're going to start with John 13, 36 to 37. Jesus is in the upper room. You know what that means. This is the night that he is going to be arrested. His arrest will lead to his trial. His trial will lead to his crucifixion. And then ultimately his crucifixion after three days will lead to his great resurrection. The very thing that gives us hope in life. But this is Jesus in the upper room saying, listen boys, huddle up here. I'm not hanging around. I, I'm going away. And the moment Jesus says this, and by the way, this is not the first time Jesus has said this, but it's not clicking. It just, it feels like with the disciples, it never clicks until they actually see Jesus crucified and then especially see him rise from the empty tomb three days later. That's when it clicks. At this point, it is not clicking. What Jesus is trying to tell them when he says, I'm going away, I'm leaving you to finish the job. All that happens in that scenario is it just raises a lot of questions, a lot of fear in their minds. So take a look at at what happens. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Jesus, of course, was going back to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. You see, isn't it true that, that just like in the natural world, there's this thing called inertia, that if you, you set a ball moving in a certain direction, the, the inertia is going to carry it forward and the energy sort of in that same direction unless something plows in and hits it from the side or from an angle. But in our lives, we also go through what I would call a psychological inertia. Where the way we've built up our life today causes us to want to predict that things are going to continue in this trajectory and, and, and that things are going to be the way that they, are, that they are today for a good long time. But this is, this is life as it really is. There is no trajectory that you can predict. Life is not a static object. It is a moving Object. And I'm going to say that over and over and over again. I want that truth to just come into your mind today that life is a moving object. And we have to, we have to adjust ourselves to that reality. The disciples thought they could predict what was going to happen. They thought they were following the Messiah. And remember what the belief about the Messiah was. He was going to be a second David. He was going to restore the kingdom. They had walked away from everything. Their fishing business, their tax collecting business, all these things they had walked away from because they were going to follow the Messiah, the second David. And who who knew what kind of wonderful jobs they would receive from this Messiah once he became king and started to expand the empire again, the way David had done the very first time. That's... That's what some of them are thinking even now. This is so confusing. What kind of Messiah who's supposed to be getting ready to ascend to the throne of Israel is going to say, I'm going away. That's not what we were taught. That's not what we were taught to expect. And so questions, where are you going? What's up, Jesus? Well, where I'm going, you cannot follow later. 
But Peter says, why can't I follow you now? I'm, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And you know what Jesus answers to that? Dude, your head is completely in the clouds. You are so filled with pride. And, and, and we have to talk about the sin in this. Because, yes, things are going to come in events. People are going to come in and change the trajectory of our lives. That's something we're going to deal with as life is a moving object. But what we're talking about today really are the sinful attitudes that create a difficulty of us dealing with life as a moving object. And for Peter, it was pride. Jesus, I'll, I'll go down with you. I'll draw, this, draw the sword. Wherever you're going, I'm going. I will protect you. I'll take care of business. Jesus says, dude, you, you don't even know. That's just such a prideful thing to claim. This very night, you're going to betray me three times. Don't try to predict what you're going to do in this situation. So here's what I want you to write down. Life and even God himself can raise questions and throw us. And how are we going to deal with that, especially when all of us struggle with the same kind of pride in our hearts, that sinful pride that, that Peter has? Well, here's the first way to deal with this. Jesus goes on in John 14, 1, and, and he starts with these words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You know how I'd, I'd word, reword that? Don't let this throw you. Don't let this throw you, guys. You you believe in God. Believe also in me. Just trust me. Have I not shown that what I say is going to happen is going to happen? Didn't I I feed 5,000 people with a, a few loaves and a few fish? Didn't I walk on water? Didn't I heal the blind and give the deaf back their hearing? You came into this believing in God. You've seen what I can do. Believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What's Jesus doing there? Pretty simple stuff. He's saying, let me tell you the real plan. I know that this makes you extremely frightened and uncomfortable to hear me say I'm going away, but I'm going away because there's a plan. And I have that plan. And I'm even going to give you some of the the major milestones of that plan. I'm going so that I can get heaven ready for you. So that you can occupy your mansion in heaven one day, once you've passed through death to eternal life. And and trust me when I say this, I won't be there forever. I'm coming back. I will come back and take you to be with me. Rest assured of that. I have a plan. So here's your first truth. And, And this is so applicable to our lives. Don't get thrown. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus always has a plan. So instead of fear, instead of Peter's pride saying, No, Jesus, we got to do it my way. What Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Stay calm and carry on with me. I have a plan. Now, we're going to walk through John 14 this morning, but I want to take a little side trip to Ephesians chapter 2. Because there's an important point for us to observe here. I just told you that Jesus has a plan. But look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Would you read this with me? Let's, let's read it together out loud. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is the Apostle Paul saying, do you know that God's main plan involves you understanding the peace that now exists between you and God. There's there's no more war 
because of your sins. Jesus has paid the price for your sins. He has seen to it that you can enjoy the grace of God that we talked about. And and he's given you, as Jesus just told us, a place in heaven through faith in Jesus. Let that bring peace into your heart because, as we talked about uh, last week, you not only know your identity, you also know your destiny. Through faith in Jesus, you will one day be in heaven. And then notice what it says. I hope the main goal that you have in life is to be reconciled with the Father and... I'm the way for you to be reconciled to the Father. For through him, Paul says, we both have access to the Father. No more wall of division. No more, no, no more broken relationship with the Father. We can have full access by one spirit. Jesus not only has the way, Paul is telling us, but he was right when he said, I am the way. Will you write that in? Don't get thrown. Jesus always has a plan, but Jesus not only has the way, he is the way. That's his plan. Now, when you're going through life and it throws you for a loop, what's the one thing that you have to make sure of? If Jesus is the plan, Jesus is the way. The one thing that all of us have to make sure of is knowing that Jesus has his arm around us no matter how thrown for a loop we are and how off course and how out of trajectory and how much moving object our life is right now. Jesus is right here saying, chill. Chill, bro. I have the plan. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We're going forward together. I'm the way. Beautiful stuff to know. You see, that's why we say at Crosswalk all the time, it's not about checking lists. If only I do this and if only I do that. It's simply about Jesus. When we have Jesus, we have everything. And and even if our life might get completely blown up and all kinds of unexpected throw-you-for-a-loop stuff might happen, if you have Jesus, you have the way. If you have Jesus, you have the plan. And that's really all Jesus says you need to not let your hearts be troubled. I know where all this is going, he says. Now let's get back to John chapter 14. And here you you see Jesus has already had this back and forth with Peter. Now he's going to have a little back and forth with Thomas. Notice what he says here. Jesus says to, to the apostles, Guys, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know it. I've taught you this stuff for three years. You know it. What does Thomas say? Nuh-uh. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And so now they're, they're in this back and forth that leads to Jesus saying, yes, you know the way because I am the way. You see, in life, when our life does get thrown for a loop and, and when it gets blown up and when, we, when we're factoring life as a static object or with a clear trajectory and then all of a sudden we feel like we're completely off course, what's the first thing that we say? We become Thomas. I, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. I have no clue what the path is. There doesn't seem to be a plan. And we feel that way, don't we? We feel exactly the way Thomas felt. And Jesus keeps coming to us and and saying, you know the way. Yes, you do. You know far more than you think you know because you know me, Jesus. And and the problem is not that you don't know the way. The problem is that you thought the way was the way that you had planned it out to be. You wanted the way to be not God's plan, but your plan. And that's why you feel like you don't know the way, because all of a sudden, what you predicted the trajectory of your life to be has nothing to do with what it's actually becoming, just like Sam Morse, right? 
Well, of course, look at all these gifts. I've gotten all this praise, all these accolades. I'm an artist. That's who I am. And that's who God made me to be until one day, bam. I didn't leave art, he said. Art left me. And it all got blown up. Now what? You've been through it. You've been through exactly what Sam has been through. And that's why it's so important to know that Jesus not only has the way forward, he is the way forward. And to realize sometimes due to our sinful nature, which clouds our vision of Jesus, not of the future, but of Jesus, we don't always realize how much we really know. Will you write this down? We don't always know what we know. Well, Thomas, Jesus says, let me tell you. Verse 6. Let's read this one together, too. This is so beautiful. I'm, I'm going to make you guys work this morning. I don't know if there's people out there that came to just listen. Let's work together. Let's read it out loud. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In my weekly email, which, by the way, it's not just my weekly email. It's a shared weekly email with Pastor Dan and me. But I like to ignore him and just call it my weekly email. Hey, bro. It's our weekly email. Uh, We send it out every week. If you don't get it, get on crosswalkphoenix.com and sign up for it. Because actually, if I have to admit it, Pastor Dan's little messages are better than mine. That's why I don't like to give him credit. But in our weekly, our weekly email this morning, this, this week, the title was three things you need to know. Three things that you need to know when life can go topsy-turvy and cause questions about who am I really? To firm up your identity, to, to carry you through so that you can say through the, through the biggest course change of your life, no matter whether it's losing a spouse, losing a job, losing a home, whatever it might be, losing a child, losing a grandchild, that in all the way through this, you can still say, I am a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is who I am. And, and, and what Jesus is saying, here's the three things you need to know to be rock solid, to have a bulletproof identity, and even when life deals out a huge reversal of fortune. I am the way, number one. Will you take, take your pen and I want you to write number one by the way. I am the truth, number two. And I am the life. See how much you know? You know the three things that can keep your identity bulletproof no matter what life dishes out. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the exclusive way. The exclusive truth, the exclusive life. There's no other way to God the Father except through me. And if you really knew me, you will know my Father as well from now on. Now you do know him and have seen him. Does does this rock anybody in the room? What Jesus is saying here? If if this is one of your first times to, to hear Jesus actually say this, it might rock you a little bit. We often do have guests in the room. So I just want to talk about that for a minute. Because I want you to hear what Jesus is saying pretty clearly. I, th- I think it's clear, but it's, but it's also difficult because, again, it's not what we expect Jesus to be saying. You see, in our world today, we've, we've been taught to expect God to say, it doesn't really matter. There's one God, but there are many paths to this one God. There are many ways. There are many plans. And Jesus is making quite an astounding claim here. And I just want to acknowledge that. It might be surprising to actually hear what Jesus is claiming here. 
But it is what he's claiming. No one comes to the Father except by me. There is only one way to be reconciled to God and to take sin out of the way and to have a hope of eternal life. There is no other God, no other plan of salvation, no other way, no other truth, no other life. And I know that's shocking. It really is. I, I'm, I'm actually sympathetic to that because when I was an unbeliever, this was one of the things that tripped me up about becoming a Christian. Really? You Christians think, that's how I would put it, you Christians think what you know is the only way. Wow. Talk about arrogance. That's how I thought. There's only the way. But as I've come to know Jesus, as I've come to know these claims in the Bible, not just said once, but multiple times over, this is what Jesus is claiming, and this is one of the the, the points where there's, there's really a why in the road. Can we accept that Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. But can we also accept what Jesus is saying here on the positive side? That when I know Jesus, I know far more than I realize. I know the way, the truth, and the life. Flip your page. You know, people, when they were hearing Jesus' teaching, they got this very clearly because of what they saw in in Jesus' teaching. Now, I love to listen to how people talk in today's world. I love to pick up on little words. For example, very often in today's world, we'll talk about, we'll say it this way. This is my truth. Not this is the truth, but this is my truth. Or you have your truth. Or if you're reading a blog post, have you ever seen the four letters I-M-H-O? Do you know what those stand for? I-M-H-O. In my humble opinion. In other words, this is what I think. And and, uh, we know that there can be different perspectives on certain things, which I suppose in a way you might call different truths. But we also need to know that there are certain things that are black and white, that are clear, that have a hard line, that it is not my truth or your truth, but the truth, capital T-H-E, the one truth. And it's not I-M-H-O, It's not, you know, my truth, your truth. It is the truth. And, And look at what happens when Jesus goes around in teaching. He teaches as if what he has to impart and share with the people is the truth. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had what? Authority. His words had authority. This was not like the rabbis of Jesus' day. When they were teaching, well... You know, the Mishnah says this, and the Torah says that. And in my opinion, this is what God is trying to tell us. Even the rabbis were like that. But when Jesus came around to teach, he taught with authority, which means that he taught the truth. And one way to make yourself bulletproof in your identity is to get to know that the truth and stop for, for us to build our lives around my truth or your truth. One of the things that we talk about in recovery ministry, for example, is how easy it is when we fall into a coping mechanism, drugs and alcohol, pornography, whatever it might be, to start to rationalize and minimize and go, well, in my opinion, at least I'm not doing this. It's not so bad, even if God says this. You see, as human beings, we're built to do the, in my humble opinion, this ain't so bad thing. And that's why it's so important for us to understand 
that Jesus speaks with authority. And if we build our life on the authority of his true words, it's going to firm up our identity. Write this in. Don't get thrown. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is the truth. Grab on to his authority. And when you grab on to this, in other words, this book, this teaching, the words of Jesus Christ, and especially the promises of Jesus Christ in what we call the gospel, the good news of the cross, the empty tomb, forgiveness, grace, mercy, peace, eternal life. We grab onto this truth, the truth, and build our lives around it. Now we've got real authority in our lives. And it's no more, in my humble opinion, or this is my truth, but this is God's truth. Well, he's dealt with Peter. Jesus has talked with Thomas. And now comes Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? By now you ought to know, guys. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. That's why his words had such authority. Because, he says, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. This is, very, this is one of those things that causes us to trip up when life throws us that big fat curveball and blows up our plants. God, why aren't you showing me? Show me. Give me a sign. How, how many of you, come on now, be honest. I won't ask you to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. How many of you said, Lord, give me a sign? Give me a sign. Show me. Show me the way forward. You know, we've done it. Because we think God is sort of obligated to lay it out very clearly for us. Because you know what the reality is? Jesus isn't enough for us. Not really. Because if Jesus was really enough, if he was in my heart, the way, the truth, and the life, then what could I, I could wake up every morning and go, dish it out, Jesus. I have no idea what's coming today. But I do know this. You're walking with me, and I'm good with that. You see, we'd say that. Because we'd really believe that what we believe is really real, And he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So who cares what happens today? It's his plan, his loving plan for me. And he's right here by my side. So we say, write this down, show me, Jesus, and I will believe you. Give me a sign. But look at what Jesus says to Philip. He turns that on its head. What's the very first word out of Jesus' mouth? Believe. No, Philip, it's not show me and you will believe. It's believe and then what happens? Let's read it. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. I'm out of here to carry out the plan, but let me tell you this. If you believe me, what's going to happen? What did he promise Philip and apostles? You're going to do things that are more amazing than what I've done. In other words, what's he saying? When you do all those amazing things, you will see that what I promise you is going to happen. Jesus says, responding to Philip, who says, show me and I'll believe. Jesus says, no, turn that on its head. Believe and I will show you. You will start to do greater things than even I've done. You know what Jesus is saying here? I've, I've, I'm gone to heaven, but 
But you, Philip, you apostles, you disciples of today, you continue to be my hands, my feet, my mouthpiece in this world. And if you carry out this purpose in life, you're going to have a life that's incredible. Incredible. You're going to do amazing things. And then you're going to end up in this mansion that I'm preparing for you. How could it be a better story than that? How could it be a better story than that? Crosswalk family. You know, we've, I, I, I've been saying this to people on an individual basis, but I'm going to tell all of you. We are committing to do some new things in this church family that may fail. We're, we're going for it. We're going we're gonna to move the dinky little Saturday night service we have over at Eagle that we've had for a couple of years, and it hasn't grown. We're moving it here. And there's, there's a lot of people who've, who've said to me, if you've only got 10 or 15 people at Eagle, why do you think it's going to grow magically just because you bring it to Cesar Chavez? And my answer is always, the band. <laughs> Clearly, it's not the preaching. So, so, I don't know. I mean, bottom line is, I don't know. It may fail. We, we may spend a lot of money paying rent for the auditorium, $500 a week, guys, to rent the auditorium for another four hours every week, and it may completely bomb. I don't know. We're talking about applying for a matching grant. Five to one on the purchase of land, two to one on on the construction of a building. We don't even know if we really qualify for the grant. Now, we've been told just this past week that we might qualify. Awesome, maybe. But we also might fall flat on our face. And we we might do beyond borders and and all of you be extremely generous on top of the 90-day giving challenge and be telling you uh, a year from now, hey guys, the grant didn't come through, but we saved saved some awesome money for one day, five, six years from now, buying a piece of land and then we'll start to talk about, I don't know. But what I know is Jesus is with us as he's promised to be. Not because we're anything special, we're just... We're just a bunch of sinners who had a wall between us and the Heavenly Father. And Jesus came in and he destroyed that dividing wall of hostility by shedding his blood, by rising from the grave. And now we are purified sinners. We have forgiveness and and life. And I know you. I know that you are going to be Jesus' hand and feet. And if we fail in these things, we're going to fail together fail in our view but it will always be part of god's plan and jesus will always be with us can i ask you to consider something you've heard that we're going to start a saturday night service you are jesus hands and feet jesus says you're going to do greater things than i've done Would you consider raising your hand to serve maybe at the Saturday night service so that we can have a children's ministry there? So that we can have greeters like we have, so that we can have a setup team to set up our church. You know, when you move setup time from Sunday morning at 7 a.m. to Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m., some of the volunteers say, well, I'm already committed at Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. I have to work then or other things. And so you lose part of that team. And so we're going to need new hands and new feet. But Jesus says you're going to do greater things than these. And I believe when we come together as a church family to serve Jesus, to be his mouthpiece, well, whatever happens is what's going to happen. Look at this last passage. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Those are the three things you need to know. And he is the Son of God, most importantly. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So don't let your hearts be troubled, no matter how big of a curveball you've been thrown. Don't get thrown. Trusting in Jesus will give you a life and an identity that's certain beyond your dreams. You see Jesus' words? I want you to underline them. By believing, 
you may have life in his name. Yes, life is a moving object. Yes, it doesn't always go in the trajectory that we thought it would be, but you can have it, Jesus says, by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, and walking with him. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have brought us here today to be reminded that our identity as a child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ is is solid. It's solid because we know the three things we, we have to know to keep it solid. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Lord, there are many people in this room today, and I know this, who've had their life's plan blown up. The purpose that they, th- that they thought you brought them here for is turning out not to be that. They've lost important things in their life, and they are grieving deeply. Their life, in, in, in many ways, feels very off course from what they thought it would be. But I want you to remind them that they have a Savior named Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is himself God, seated at the right hand of, of the throne, who is their way their truth, and their life. Lord, help us by the power of your spirit to just walk and be satisfied to know that you are with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. It it took half a lifetime for Samuel Morse to learn it. it. It took the entire ministry and then the death and only the resurrection of Jesus for the disciples to get it. That Jesus is enough. That that when we know Jesus, we know the way and the truth and the life. And so out of today's Today's message, I want to encourage you to change your prayers, your morning and evening prayers. Instead of saying, Lord, bless my plans for the day, you could say, Jesus, you're enough for me. You're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. You have the plan, I don't. Blow, blow my plans up if you need to. I'm good, because you're enough for me. And at the end of the day, if you're frustrated, man, my plans didn't work out today, Lord. What's going on? Instead of saying that, say, you know what, Lord? My plans completely blew up. And that's okay because you were with me all day long. And I thank you for that. And you give me eternal life. You're working to prepare a place for me right now. And that is truly awesome. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We'll have a prayer team come forward. If, you, if your life blew up on you this week, just stay in your seat. We'll pray. And on your way out, greet another dearly loved child of God who had their life blow up on them this week. Someone you don't know.